0: So, um, you want to listen to the word about uh, your vocation. If you're single, obviously your vocation right now is the greatest of all baptism. If you're discerning as a single man to priesthood or marriage, then you want to listen to the word about that, about your deepest, prolonged attraction. God is in your desires. That's how he communicates. Desires have to be discerned, because as you know, some are good, some are bad. But he's in the ones that are leading toward your welfare. So you want to listen uh, for the word that's leading you toward an integrated happiness in the vocation you're in. If you're a husband, it's mostly about your wife. She's right. It's mostly about her. And that really makes us mad, but she's right. Um, every, everything you give to your wife will be given back to you, even though we're afraid of that. We're afraid that if we give, we won't receive. That's the satanic lie. It's always to hold back. I've got to hold back a little for myself. Right, That's an economic model of spirituality. I can't give all my money to my kids. I'd be destitute, right? Um, it's an economic model. In a spousal model, it's, yes, you can give everything to your wife. And if she's not a loon, Looney Tunes, and hopefully you didn't marry someone like that, she'll give everything back to you. And those who are single, everything to the Lord. Everything to the Lord and everything will be given back to you. Now, by everything, I mean everything you need to be happy. Not everything you need to be an American. Those are very different things. Everything we need to be happy, not everything the popular culture tells us we need. And the more you grow close to the Lord in your vocation, of course, the happier you'll become. The other satanic lie is... That the closer I get to God, he'll take from me. The closer I'll get to God, I'll lose myself. The truth is, the closer you'll get to God, the more you become yourself. He has no intention of stealing you. The closer you get to God, the more you become yourself. He gives you back to you. And for those who have fallen in love and gotten married... To some extent, if it's a good marriage, you have a little hint of this. That when you met her, and you fell in love, all you ever wanted was to be with her. And that was an indication that being in relationship does not jeopardize your identity. It actually is your identity. And the same with God. The deeper you go into relationship with him, The more you're going to receive yourself and be at peace. Which, of course, is what's lacking in most of your friends in our culture, is that they just don't know where the peace comes from. And the peace comes from right here. I mean, it's pretty astounding that all of us have been given faith that God is actually in that tabernacle. It's just an astounding gift. That he has not left us. When Jesus came, everything he said was real. He did not leave us orphans. And we can come into a church like this anytime we want. And be in the presence of God. Who is not about taking from us. But giving us everything we need. And of course that's what the Mass is about too. We'll be meditating on that a little bit today. So listen for your vocation. How am I doing? There was a movie that came out recently called uh, Don't Get Old. It's about Franz Jägerstadter. Did that come to Lincoln? I think it's called A Hidden Life. Did you guys hear about that? A Hidden Life. Blessed Franz Jagerstatter. He was a conscientious objector against Hitler during World War II and was uh, executed for that. And it's about his life. But basically, it's a, it's a story about baptism and marriage. He was a layman, had three daughters. When the Nazis killed him, he, the, the girls were very young. They were only like elementary school or so. But the way the filmmaker uh, portrays his wife and his love for her and her for him, I have never seen a film that captures the sacrament of Christian marriage so authentically. And it's a secular film. And yet the, uh, the director got it, got what the whole mystery of Christ was in the sacramental life. So if it ever comes around again or shows up on Netflix or wherever you get your films, A Hidden Life, it's about two and a half hours long though, so you got to hang in there. But it's visually beautiful. And whoever wrote it is a mystic, truly. It's quite an astonishing script. So you want to spend the day treasuring and receiving your vocation more deeply. It's the only thing America can't take from you. It's the only thing America doesn't understand. It doesn't understand it because this culture has no sensitivity toward that which is transcendent. It only keeps looking at its own feet, its own shoes, never looks up. St. Bonaventure said that we were born curvatus bent over, curved over. That's our culture. We are always looking either at ourselves or down. We are never looking up because we have bought the lie that if we look up, everything will be taken, everything will be lost. God is a taker. That's the lie of the American popular culture. Don't get close to him. And of course, this is our idol, right? Because he'll take all your fun. We worship fun. In other words, we've never left high school. Fun is our God. And just like little boys when we were juniors in high school, and you look forward to Friday, that's what we were formed in as the whole American culture. Friday. Saturday. Fun. Fun. And that's why no one's happy. And that's why we're all drugged up. Or we drink alcohol too much. Or we're not happy with the 365,000 channels on TV. Or we constantly think of the next trip we need to take. Or the next job I need to take. And we are always going abroad. We are always moving out. And that is the sign of our unhappiness. Catholicism is about... Depth, down, in, into your marriage, into your fatherhood, into your baptism. Not out, not wondering what's next. That's the American bumper sticker. What's next? Is this guy done talking yet? What's next? What's next? We can't help ourselves. We are formed in that. We are a distracting and distracted culture. Thank God last night was canceled to some extent because as American men, you'll probably go crazy at the end of this day because you're only in one place. And this is a very small retreat house. And there ain't much to do here. So you're going to go nuts. And, and let yourself go nuts. Feel that. What's that called? Withdrawal. Withdrawal is always painful. What are you withdrawing from? Being an American. And being in one place in silence for one day, you'll feel like you're in a loony bin. And what Jesus is trying to say that there is, it's okay, suffer that silence. Don't try to escape it. If you snuck some devices into the retreat house... Just when you go and you sneak and you look at it and you're on the internet and you're playing a game or something, just feel how pathetic you are. Why did I do this? Why did I escape from Jesus? I can't even do it for a day. I can't go deep for a day. Can I go deep for an hour? A minute? You know, the addictions... So this day is sort of like a little experience of our own um, imprisonment. Feel how imprisoned you might be in what you're actually missing or longing for in 24 hours. And then ask Jesus to have mercy on you and to actually show you that there is more to being human than what we have been tutored in, in the superficialities of our culture. That's what's so important about the sacramental life. The sacramental life is reality. There is no other reality. Everything else passes. That's why you never want to attach yourself, as, as Paul says in Romans 12, to this passing age. You never want to attach yourself to passing age. It'd be like falling in love with a prostitute. Makes no sense. She's on to the next man. And Americans spend half their life attaching themselves to things that can be taken from them. Can be lost or finite. It's the sacramental life that is promised for eternity. Attach yourself to the seven sacraments and life cannot be taken from you. Now of course in our American sensibilities that sounds boring. What? You do want me to be in church all day? No. God wants you to be in relationship all day. Don't confuse a building for what's in the building. The presence. The presence. He wants you to be in the presence all day. Some of you might actually like your wives, and you're missing them right now. What are you missing when you miss your wife? And for those men who have yet to find a wife, you're already missing a wife that you do not yet have. That's called loneliness. Presence. You're missing her presence. When your wife dies, if she predeceases you, you will be grieving, if you were a good husband. In other words, you will be grieving the fact that her presence is absent. If you were a bad husband, of course, her presence has always been absent because you were busy about many things other than the sacrament, other than the vocation. And so when she dies, it might not be that big a deal because you never internalized her presence to begin with. You were busy about many things. Except the sacrament, the only thing that lasts, the seven sacraments are those portals through which we become deeper and deeper in love with the presence of Jesus. And the most amazing thing of all is you become simpler, less complex as a man who attaches himself only to the sacraments. Today you might want to pray for the grace of deepening your sacramental imagination and to ask the Lord to purify your American imagination And fill it with other things. Fill it with other things. It would be frightening, right, if people got to look into our minds as to what we think about all day. Of course, the main thing what we think about all day is ourselves. That would be embarrassing. And then other things we think about, you know. Why, you know, why is my boss the way he is? What a pain in the neck he is. Why can't I have that car? Why can't I have a better job? Why can't I go to Tahiti? Why can't that television work in my bedroom the way it works in my living room? Such superficialities filling our mind. And when your wife says to you, are you listening to me? And you answer the proverbial, yes, you're lying. Because the stuff in our mind is what we're listening to. The the power of a retreat yearly, twice a year, and then weekly or daily in your hour or your half hour of prayer each day, which is just a little retreat, is that if you actually set the time aside for silence, it detaches you from the distractions that dwell in your mind. You become more and more riveted upon the mystery, right? The crucified Lord. With each moment that you give in your day to silence, you allow the Holy Spirit to gift you with less interference between you and the one you love. lot of interference... Honey, are you listening to me? Yes. No, I wasn't. I was thinking of all those things that were in my mind. See how far we are from each other? And the goal before we're dead is to have less interference between ourselves and the one we love. And that's a great challenge. And that's why we have to talk about asceticism and the withdrawal of ourselves from that from those distractions that are taking us away from the one we love. you never heard of anyone who's dying who cried out for more time in the office. It's it's mental illness. Frank, you're dying. Damn, I wish I could work more. That'd be mental illness. What's sanity? Sanity is when someone's dying and they cry out for their wife, their children. Forgiveness. Why are they crying out for wife, children, forgiveness, or their God? Because they realized they never, never, ever limited the space between themselves and the ones they loved. And they kept following the path of egotism or distraction. And their lives then became identified with those things. And nothing concentrates the mind like death. So when you're laying on your deathbed, you become aware of what you paid attention to. And God help us if what we paid attention to was something less than the dignity of being in the sacraments. That's the whole point of conversion. That's the whole point of giving us all these years of life. His mercy. His mercy to try and lessen the gap between who we are, what we pay attention to, and who we love. So today you want to listen for your vocation. And you want to wander in here and you want to sit with him. Unfortunately, it's really cold, but it's sunny. If you're hardy, you can go outside and be with him too, but... You want to come with him, be here, or in the little room that you were given. In that, how beautiful the word, right? In that cell. And when you go in that cell, think of one thing. Think of old age. Because every one of us is heading for that cell when you're 80, 90, maybe even 70. What's it called? Right? The nursing home. What's in a nursing home? A bed? A chair? A window, hopefully. Well, Don't be so depressing. It's coming. You say, well, no, it's not coming from me. I got a nice big house, and I'll live in it until I'm dead. Maybe. Maybe not. But even if you live in that nice big house when you're dying, you'll always be in a nursing home. You'll always be alone in your bed. And that's what we as Americans avoid, avoid, avoid. That room has nothing in it. Don't avoid it. Don't avoid laying on the bed and saying, it's just me and all the thoughts in my head. Do I love anyone? Am I giving myself to anyone? Whose presence am I in? My own? Do I allow God You know, there are men who actually choose that room for their whole life, right? They're called monks. That's why we're all afraid of monks and we think they're nuts. Some of them are. but Some of them are actually in love. Only a mad lover would choose the room that you were given and say, I like this. I'm going to spend my whole life here. And I'm going to be celibate, too. Never going to get married. Never going to be a dad. Never going to have sex. Never going to have a woman. Never. The healthy ones, not the weird ones who use the church just for three meals in a cot. But the healthy ones, when they go in that room, they go in that room because they're in love. You said it on your honeymoon, didn't you, with your wife, babbling. You were babbling. Oh, dear, I never want to leave here wherever you spent your honeymoon. You're enough for me, Helen. Then, of course, you got back home and you realized she wasn't. And then she realized it. And that's when you started fighting. And then George threw the honeymoon in your face. You said you wanted to be with me only. You could live with me in that little hotel room forever. Shut up. The game's on. You caught a glimpse of what the monk Catches the glimpse of. When you fell in love and you said, just me and you, honey. When the monk is real and he's not a weirdo, that's what he saw. And that's why he thinks he can stay in that room his whole life. Because what touched him satisfied him in his body. God I don't need a woman. I don't need sex. I don't need to be a father. I sacrifice all that. Because the origin of all that has touched me. That's, that's the beautiful power of celibacy when it's real. If a guy's just using the church to be a bachelor, then that's the sickness. But if he's a real celibate, the beauty and almost awe of knowing a man like that is that he actually experienced the origin of what you're loving in your wife. He didn't have a mediation between God and the self called the wife. He experienced God. And so deeply that he believed God could satisfy his body. St. Pope John Paul II wrote about this very powerfully in a document on St. Joseph. Where he meditated, but it was really probably about John Paul II himself, meditated on what celibacy is. And we're all heading towards celibacy. It's just that the monk has gotten there first. But when my wife dies, I'm celibate. When my wife dies and she goes to heaven, she's celibate. There is no marrying or giving in marriage in heaven. If I die first and I go to heaven and she stays here, she's celibate. She's the woman in the single bed in the nursing home. We're all celibates. That's why you want to meditate more deeply on what these guys have seen. Felt, experienced. Because that's what you're heading toward, too. There was a psychologist friend of mine who'd worked in hospice, and he said there's only two ways that people die they go out kicking and screaming, or they go out like a candle being blown out. Who goes out kicking and screaming? Those people who believe they are leaving everything behind. Death then is the enemy, a threat. Because death is a thief stealing everything. So I fight it, I battle it. I'm afraid of it. I go out kicking and screaming. But then he said there's another human being who goes out like a candle being blown out because they have come to believe and know and know, they have come to know that nothing is lost in Christ. So they're leaving their wife, their children, their friends, everything that is meant to anything to them on this planet. But they go out peacefully because they know that all of that, all of that which they have loved is waiting for them in Christ. Your wife is in Christ. What you love about her is in Him. If you're in Him, you will never lose. Your children your vocation, your friends, everything good about this creation is in Christ. Are you? That's always been the challenge from the saints. Are you in Christ? Because if you are, then you will go out like a candle being blown out because nothing is being taken from you everything is being secured and internalized through death. And in fact, you're heading toward never-ending happiness. It will never be taken from you again because he has conquered death through the crucifixion. Never be taken from you again. That's why St. Francis of Assisi could go out singing. Lay me on the ground, brothers, he said. And he went out with a hymn. Because he wasn't really going anywhere. He was just going deeper into what he already knew. There's no, there's no discontinuity between his life and his death. <gasps> What's over there? What's beyond that? What's coming? more better deeper more better deeper if you're in Christ and if we have if we've been healed of the culture of distraction that we live in now which continually calls us from the suffering that is necessary to remain in the presence Of course, we think in the beginning, the woman is everything. That's why on the honeymoon we say, Honey, I could live here forever with just you. We think the woman is everything. But even after the the woman that you live with, who is the greatest saint on earth, the greatest wife you could ever imagine, you have her. Even in that environment, there is... The rising up of the more. Of the more. And of course, that's the seed of God. We cannot be satisfied with any limited, finite mortal. We were made for God. And of course, we have to start living that reality here. Not out of some sense of, because God will be mad at us if we don't. But because God wants us to be happy. And to get off the drugs and the alcohol and the escapist adventures and the constant cruises to Alaska and the 365 channels. And all those things that we use to placate our consciousness, that there's more. But I don't, I don't know how to get there. It's very simple, and it has to be simple. It cannot be complex, because God loves everyone. Catholicism is not an arcane, secret handshake environment where you have to come in and learn special knowledge. It's very simple. Whatever the address of your church is, learn that address. Can't get any simpler than that. Can you memorize the location of a community that believes that this is really God? That's how simple it is. That's how universally accessible it is. Now, some of you single guys, if you're discerning priesthood, we probably need you. Because the only thing we need is a priest. Bread, wine. The ability of that priest to make the sign of the cross over us to forgive our sins. And to make the sign of the cross over us if we get married. His capacity to pour water. And to put oil on our head when we're going to go out like a candle. That's pretty simple. We don't need anything else. We do need your body, though, if you're a single man and you're thinking of priesthood. But even if we only had one priest, God would make do with that. It's not something to panic about. A priest will be busy, or maybe not. I think only 25 or less percent of Americans attend church. So they may not be that busy. But if there's a revival, then there will be more priests as well. To do what? To keep us simply in the presence while everything else is trying to take us away from it. So let's sit with Jesus just for a minute, and then we'll look at the notes for a second. And just ask the Lord, what do I need to be more faithful to my vocation? Just start with that simple question. Just a couple minutes of silence, gazing at the crucifix. Now what does the crucifix mean? I give all, even the last drop of my blood to my bride who is my bride? For Jesus, of course, it was the human race, now gathered as his church. Notice what Jesus is giving. I give everything. What's the scariest thing for human beings? Death. Imagine if God didn't go into death. Imagine that. God came down like Superman and healed us, but then he went back home. And when our death day came, what would we think and do? But now we know that when that day comes, He is in there. He has gone in there. Where's in there? Into that dark, scary place called death. We're not alone. What an amazing mind-boggling choice to love us. You know, I will go to your scariest place and I will make it light, clean, pure. Would you do that even for your wife, your children, Your child is afraid of some medical procedure. It's okay. I will lay on the table for you. I'll go first, honey. I'll go there first. That's what he did. And then access to the end of our fears happens at this altar. Because we keep consuming every Sunday this great love that went into death for us. So that we would not have to go there alone. That's what he's doing on the cross. Going into every human experience, even the frightening ones, and bringing love there so that we are not alone. And even in our sins, he calls to us. He calls to us in death, he calls to us in the darkest places of our sins. In other words, he has gone into every human capacity and he said, there is no place that you are not out of reach of my love. I knew a man who had sex with a prostitute in Vegas and right in the middle of intercourse, Jesus touched him and he repented and lived a new life. What was Jesus doing in Vegas? Right? Finding you. That's what God does. He goes where the sinners are to find us and take us into life. John's Gospel, right? Life and life to the full. We'll talk later about the seven deadly sins, the places where we go freely and there is no life. Why do we keep doing that? And then Jesus keeps coming in to those lifeless places, finding us, finding us there, and taking us into life. That's our God. And that's what's secured in us every time we worship at this altar. What is? Our growing resistance to say yes to insanity. Because that's what sin is. Sin is insanity. And this Mass helps us to grow, to resist, to never say yes to that again. Because like John Paul II, in our bodies, We have tasted life and life to the full in virtue and in holiness. So let's be with Jesus just for a minute in silence. So you want to be in the Word. If you don't have a Bible, those little books that we just prayed out of are filled with Scripture. Little portions of Scripture and then all the Psalms. So you can take one of those and and be with God. And when you open the Scripture, you just want to say, you know, one thing like, Jesus, what are you saying to me? And then you want to write down. You always want to write down. Because you'll forget. At the end of the driveway, Satan waits at every retreat to make you think that everything that happened here was just some idealistic poetry and the real world is waiting for you out there. Just the opposite. This is the real world. And that's why he so determinatively wants to take it from you when a retreat is over. Because he knows that if you believe that what happened to you here is real, then the world that he has fabricated for you out there will be threatened. He knows that. So you must always, when you go on retreat, you must always say, I'm going to the real world now. And with each one you make, the fake world out there will be less, will have less and less a hold over you. So you want to remember what God says to you. And if you have a good marriage, you want to go and take that piece of paper and you want to share it with your wife. and Say, this is what God said to me. Or you just want to show her in your changed behavior. This is what God said to me. If you're single, you want to take it to a spiritual director, parish priest. You want to process it with him. I went on retreat. This is what happened. Because if you don't, it will be lost. So you want to write down what's happening in the silences. And you want to be in relationship with the Word of God. If you have no experience with the Scripture, I would just say you find the Gospel of Luke, and you just start reading very slowly, paragraph, a couple sentences, and you listen. You listen until you hear something that attracts you and is beautiful. And then you just rest on that word, that image, or that sentence. And you just talk about it with Jesus. You read until you hear something. And then you stop. And then you talk about it. And then you write it down. And then you pray about what you wrote down. This is how God communicates in personal prayer. And how do you know God's voice from your voice? God's voice is always brief. It's always deep. It's always true. And it's always gentle. Brief, deep, true. And gentle. When you hear that in your heart, that's God. Brief, deep, true, and gentle. And by deep, I mean it's almost intuitively grasped by you what he's saying. If you have a long speech, that's probably what Freud called the superego. That's your mother still yelling at you, You shouldn't have done that, you're a bad kid. That's not God. God doesn't do speeches. He just touches you gently, deeply, truthfully. You know it. It's almost like it takes your breath away. Huh? That's God. Huh? That's true. It's not a speech. It may not even be an audible word. It could be an image or an intuition. And this is why we need the silence. Because if there is one fault of God, if we're going to criticize God, he is incredibly subtle. And you may miss him if you don't let the silence envelop you. And of course, as we get ourselves into silence, both on this retreat and then find silence in our life when we leave, it will be a suffering because it is a withdrawal from the culture of noise that we live in. The culture of noise. I remember once there was a man who was you know, thoroughly American and thoroughly in the culture of noise. And he had a, a powerful experience of grace on a retreat. And he just kept being with Jesus on the way home from the retreat. And he pulled in his driveway. And when he turned the car off, he realized, hey... I just drove home from that retreat house with no sound in the car. Silence had already grasped him as filled with goodness. See, we always think silence is loneliness. Silence is the fullness of presence. When a lot of people saw the movie The Passion of the Christ, they didn't leave the theater for a while. When the movie went dark, they just sat there. Did they have nowhere to go? Were they lonely? Did they have no friends? No. The fullness of presence had silenced them. Silence has nothing to do with being alone in a negative sense. Silence is the precursor to communion. Right? Did you ever kiss your wife while she was talking to you? Impossible. What precedes a kiss? Silence. You have to have silence or you can't kiss her. Go ahead and try it. Babble, 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 and then you try and get in there and aim for a kiss. She's still talking. Impossible. You cannot have union if it's not enveloped in silence. St. Bernard of Clairvaux said silence was the kiss of the Holy Spirit. Let him, let him come that close. And whatever you're suffering in the silence, write that down. This is boring, this is stupid, I hate it. Empty, (gasps) reminds me of childhood painful things. I hate silence. Write it all down. That's basically you being exercised from the culture of noise. All the resistance is a sign of an exorcism. The noise is coming out of you because it has established in you your identity. And Jesus is trying to clear that out. Very simply, open the scriptures. Very simply, listen until you hear something. Very simply, start talking to Jesus about what you've heard. Write it down. Process it with a priest, a spiritual director, or your spouse. And don't let Satan rob it from you. And remember, the goal for our short day today is, I want to go deep in my vocation, Lord. Where have I been escaping into superficiality in my vocation? Lord, teach me how to go deep. Name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, we entrust this time of silence, prayer, sacramental celebrations. We entrust all these beautiful things to your most sacred heart. So, where we have not been living in the real world, We may now begin to dwell in it. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.